Welcome back to the Bama Online Podcast. This one in the early hours of Tuesday morning, November the 16th, 2021. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com with you here on the podcast. That's right, flying solo on the latest edition of the BOL podcast but don't you worry your little heads we got topics of plenty we're going to talk Alabama football on the heels of the Crimson Tide's ninth win of the season this time over non-conference opponent New Mexico State we'll get into Nick Saban's comments from his Monday Zoom conference noontime Zoom conference from Nick Saban we'll talk about some of the things Nick Saban had to say certainly some injury updates of particular note Involved there, we'll take a little bit of a look ahead to the Arkansas Razorbacks. Razorbacks 7-3 and three, headed to Tuscaloosa this weekend. Hell of a job by Sam Pittman in nearly two full seasons of work. The Razorbacks looking to win against Alabama for the first time since, what, 2006? Arkansas in the unenviable position of being right there alongside Tennessee when it comes to going O for Nick Saban during Saban's tenure in Tuscaloosa. But we'll get into some of the Razorbacks, uh, both offensively, defensively, take a quick look at that football team. And we're going to talk some hoops as well on this Tuesday morning because you have South Alabama making the trip up from Mobile to take on the Crimson Tide later this evening. 6.30 tip-off Central from Coleman Coliseum. That game will air and or stream, I guess, depending on how you consume consume your game content these days uh, at SEC Network Plus. So a lot to get into. We'll start with Nick Saban's aforementioned comments on Monday to the media, as you likely anticipated given the update he provided in the immediate aftermath of Alabama's win over New Mexico State, the update wasn't promising, wasn't positive in relation to sophomore running back Roydell Williams. Roydell, of course, went down in the first half with what looked to be at the time a knee injury. It turned out to be exactly that. And according to Nick Saban on Monday, it will require surgery. And in the words of Nick Saban, Roydell is going to be out for a little while, and I took that to mean that in all likelihood, we've seen the last of Roydell Williams for the 2021 campaign. Didn't sound, and this sort of dovetails off of what Nick Saban said post-game on Saturday as well, didn't sound as ominous for JoJo Earl, the true freshman return man and wide receiver, simply because Saban's update didn't involve surgery being required for JoJo Earl, but also like Roydell Williams, I wouldn't count on seeing JoJo Earl here maybe in the next couple weeks. Maybe, who knows? But uh, both those guys with updates on Monday pretty much in line with what we had first heard from Nick Saban from Saturday. So with that, the running back position continues to be under the microscope more so, if not entirely so, from a depth perspective, because you know full well at this point that Brian Robinson is your bell cow, and what you were hoping to avoid, even on the heels of the injury to Jace McClellan in early October, 
was not putting him in a position where you know, he was going to have to play 95% of the snaps or so at the running back spot. And that may be the case moving forward. Although, you know, Saban was asked about Trey Sanders, the third-year running back, the former five-star prospect, during his Monday Zoom conference. And, you know, Saban pretty much laid it out there. In terms of opportunity, it doesn't get much better for Trey Sanders than it's going to be here in the next couple of weeks. And I wrote about this and what Saban said and what we think it means on Monday afternoon there at BamaOnline.com. I don't think the question for Trey Sanders in these next few games or however much of a season Alabama has left is going to involve talent. This guy was a five-star prospect, the number one rated running back recruit in the country for the class of 2019 for a reason. What has been a problem for Trey uh, Trey Sanders, as we know, has been the injury bug. Each of the last two seasons, he's had campaigns cut short by injury, uh, looked like he was off to a good start to the 2021 season, had a fumble against Mercer there in week two. Uh, From that point forward, didn't see him as much. We heard from Nick Saban some comments related to confidence or perhaps a lack there of it where Trey Sanders was concerned. Well, none of that matters now because Alabama is in a spot where, ready or not, it's Trey Sanders that's next man up. And again, speaking about his just pure ability, you saw it once again, albeit against a far inferior opponent in New Mexico State, you know, he makes it look easy. He makes it look easier than a lot of backs. Uh, We've talked about the assortment of skills that he displays whenever he's been given the opportunity. So Trey Sanders is more than capable of stepping forward in that number two role. Again, Confidence isn't just something that Alabama wants to see from Trey Sanders. It's something he needs to provide to the coaching staff. And if that happens here in the run-up to Arkansas and you know, Rob Gillespie, the running back's coach, is sensing a fully engaged Trey Sanders between now and Saturday, uh, I would fully anticipate Sanders' role being in line with what we've typically seen from backup running backs, top reserve running backs, number twos to primary guys in previous years. If that's not the case, well, you know, I don't think Brian Robinson's going to have a problem with that either because this is a guy who has waited four years for his opportunity. So if Brian Robinson can play 95% of the snaps at the running back position, uh, he's going to be more than up for that. Now, Brian Robinson isn't going to be a guy at this point in his career who on second and eight in the second quarter looks over to the sideline and starts tapping on his helmet as an indication to, hey, I need a blow. I need a guy to come in and spell me here for a couple of snaps. That's not going to be a problem, I think, for Brian Robinson. So really, in terms of how often his number is called, where Trey Sanders is concerned, is entirely, entirely up to him. Now, you start considering some big-picture scenarios for the Alabama running back position. You start thinking about the kind of injuries guys have, has, have sustained this season with Chase McClellan and Roydell Williams going down with knees. 
Brian Robinson moves on after this season. We haven't seen Kamar Wheaton at all. He wasn't even mentioned on a couple of occasions where he might have been on Monday in relation to the running back position. You know, if you're Trey Sanders, the opportunity shouldn't just be there for you over the remainder of this season. It should be there for you when spring drills get underway in March and April because Emmanuel Henderson, as soon as I heard from Saban about Roydell Williams on Monday, my first text was to Hank South, recruiting analyst for us there at BamaOnline.com, and my question to Hank was, does Emmanuel Henderson project as an early enrollee? And Hank informed me that that isn't the case. Emmanuel Henderson is not an early enrollee. So you think about March and April – with a couple of guys coming off surgically repaired knees in McClellan and Williams, uh, Brian Robinson moving on, Kamar Wheaton, you would anticipate being available and, and ready to go by that point. But other than that, you know, Trey Sanders would seem to be in a pretty good spot as far as opportunity, not just over these next two, three, four, maybe even five games but into spring practice as well. Now, Nick Saban isn't overly concerned about A-Day because there aren't championships on the line in April. There are in November and December and perhaps even into early January. So trying to plug the leaks at the running back position right now, obviously of utmost concern. And who knows, maybe Brian Robinson is capable of going Derrick Henry in 2015 and just sort of shouldering the load the rest of the way. Ideally, though, Trey Sanders uh, stays A, healthy, B, maintains a positive and confident mindset, and performs up to the level that so many have anticipated from him. Some of it not of his own fault, as we outlined with the the injuries. Guy's been through a lot, so you would think that that could impact you as well from a mental perspective. But it's here now, the opportunity for Trey Sanders. Nick Saban also on Monday asked about Will Anderson and the possibility or what they are seeing in terms of opposing offenses getting specific in their game planning for Will Anderson. And I think we've seen that already this season. I don't think it's mattered all that much, and especially after Christopher Allen went out in the season opener. Now, that should have made it a lot easier for opposing offenses to say, well, at least we don't have the other edge guy to worry about now because even in the game that he went down in, you saw what Christopher Allen was capable of doing off that other edge. But Will Anderson definitely seen uh, offenses that are considering him strongly in the lead-up to matchups with the Crimson Tide. I don't know how much it's helped because Will Anderson in his last 16 games has 19 and a half sacks, which is a huge number. And I wrote about this on Monday as well. What I like about Will Anderson's stats this season is that he has 12 and a half sacks and six quarterback hurries. And, well, you could say that's not a high number of quarterback hurries. Well, no, it's not. It's because he gets home. You know, a year ago, especially in the first half of the season, the quarterback hurries weren't a problem. It was finishing the sacks 
that sort of eluded him as a young pass rusher in the first half of that season. Not so much in the last season and a half. Will Anderson with 19 and a half sacks again in those 16 games. And, you know, we've also mentioned in the past the 2007 season enjoyed by, well, it was enjoyed by Wallace Gilberry that 2007 season. I don't know too many other people that enjoyed that 2007 season, Nick Saban's first at Alabama. But uh, Wallace had 27 tackles for loss. And Will now at 23 through 10 games, yeah, I would think based on Saban-era production at least, uh, Will very much on his way to surpassing even that number from Wallace Gilberry. Now, Wallace did it in 13 games, and I'm not saying Wallace would point that out to you if Will gets him in, say, the 14th or 15th game, but maybe Will, maybe Wallace would. May not matter. I think Will may get there in 12 or 13, especially with a couple of the offenses that Alabama has coming up here on the schedule. And you consider the quarterbacks for those teams. Uh, K.J. Jefferson this week, we'll get into more on K.J. Jefferson coming up here in just a little bit. But also the injury situation now at Auburn with Bo Nix out, undergoing surgery on Monday. And T.J. Finley uh, stepping in there at the quarterback position. And, you know, if you're Alabama and you're thinking about how you're going to defend Auburn – a lot of what you probably had in mind goes out the window in terms of the quarterback that you're going to be going against in that game because Bo Nix, there was still just enough of a concern for his legs that you had to take that into consideration at least. And there was also the likelihood for design quarterback runs with Bo Nix in that offense. With T.J. Finley, I don't see that being the case. Both these next two quarterbacks that Will Anderson and the Alabama defense are going to see big dudes, man. K.J. Jefferson, 6'3", 245. Finley, very much statuesque in his own right. So uh, Jefferson, easily the better athlete of the two. So if I were going to say the guy the next two Saturdays that might be toughest to get on the ground, it would be K.J. Jefferson by a pretty good bit. But Will Anderson definitely having a huge season. And, you know, some of us back in the preseason when we were polled and we were asked for the SEC's top Heisman Trophy candidate, even understanding that the Heisman Trophy isn't about defensive players in any form or fashion, unless you're a guy like Charles Woodson who can play some offense uh, like he did at Michigan there in the late 90s. Uh, that was my pick. Will Anderson was my pick for the SEC's top Heisman candidate. Does that mean I don't think Bryce Young is deserving of serious, serious consideration? No, especially for what the award has become. Absolutely, Bryce Young is deserving of being atop so many of the lists that you see out there these days. And hey, maybe Will Anderson could play some running back. How about that? I talked about Henry Toa Toa in my What Saban Said, What We Think It Means piece. You know, Henry Toa Toa, in his junior and senior years of high school out there in Northern California, rushed for nearly 1,000 yards over those two seasons. So Henry could get it done. Average like eight and a half a carry out there in NoCal. And why not, maybe, consider another linebacker. You've already done it with Des Moy Kennedy. What would be another one or two 
as far as those somebody else's that we heard Nick Saban refer to as possible candidates now to join Demoy Kennedy and Christian Leary in cross training from other positions to the running back spot. All right, so let's get a little bit into the Arkansas Razorbacks coming up this week for the Alabama Crimson Tide. The Razorbacks coming off a couple of close wins the last two weeks, one over Mississippi State at Reynolds Razorback Stadium in Fayetteville, and then last Saturday night in overtime, 16-13 over the LSU Tigers. Did you see freshman kicker Cam Little? He's been huge for Arkansas this season, by the way. 17 of 21 on field goal attempts. Well, he hits the game winner last Saturday night against LSU, proceeds to run to the other end of the field, and then hits the gritty. Hits the gritty on LSU, right in the middle of a silenced Death Valley, the true freshman. The gritty, I was informed shortly after this took place in Baton Rouge. The gritty is a dance that most of us are familiar with because Justin Jefferson, the former LSU wide receiver, whenever you see Jefferson score a touchdown for the Minnesota Vikings, uh, he hits it. So a little bit of... uh, little salt in the wound there for LSU and that home loss to Arkansas. By the way, I didn't hear I didn't hear or see uh, Ed Orgeron taking any moral victory laps like he did in Tuscaloosa after that one. Didn't see that for Meadow. Uh, Arkansas, when you talk about the Razorbacks offensively, again, K.J. Jefferson at the quarterback position, big dude. Uh, a solid season throwing the football – so far you were considering or you were concerned if you're an Arkansas fan even last spring about the viability of the quarterback position talented dude KJ Jefferson stepping in for Felipe Franks last year starter Jefferson to this point through 10 games 1990 passing yards completing 65% of his passes, 8.8 yards per attempt. So that's a solid number. 17 touchdown passes, three interceptions. Also gets it done with his legs. 474 yards on the ground, five rushing touchdowns. He's averaging a little more than 4.4 yards per carry. This Arkansas offense is going to provide a challenge similar to what Alabama got from Ole Miss back in early October. You've got the ties between those two offenses with Kendall Bryles at Arkansas as the offensive coordinator, Bryles' brother-in-law, Jeff Lebby, the offensive coordinator under Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss. Of course, both those guys under that Art Bryles coaching tree. And Ole Miss and Arkansas ranked one and two in rushing offense going into the week. Alabama, meanwhile, entered the week with the SEC's second-ranked rush defense and total defense, and number three in scoring defense. I know there's been some A&M PTSD among the Alabama fan base, but Crimson Tide comes in allowing a respectable, anyway, 18.2 points per game. You know, another similarity between the Arkansas and Ole Miss offenses where the run games are concerned is that you got multiple runners in each of those offenses. When Matt Corral is healthy, he's certainly a threat at the position to run the football like K.J. Jefferson is at Arkansas. And then you've got 
sort of this trio of backs at both Ole Miss and Arkansas. And for Arkansas, that means Traylon Smith, Rocket Sanders, and Dominique Johnson. All four of the aforementioned players between Jefferson, Smith, Sanders, and Johnson with more than 400 rushing yards on the season, but none with more than 550 rushing yards. So it is certainly a collective effort for Arkansas on the ground. Last week, it was Jefferson and Johnson, the two big dudes with 15 carries each against LSU. Traylon Smith, more of the smaller back of the group, averaged six yards per carry against LSU on six attempts. Just 80 rushing yards for the Hogs in last year's meeting with Alabama. But this is also an Arkansas offense a year later that is averaging 83 more yards per game on the ground than it did a year ago. And when you consider receiving options for Arkansas, look, it starts and it probably ends this week with Traylon Burks, the SEC's number three receiver. He's averaging nearly 80 receiving yards per game. Clearly, he is Arkansas's top target. Had just two catches for 16 yards in Alabama's blowout of the Razorbacks in Fayetteville last December. But as I recall, it was a beat-up Traylon Burks entering that game. Uh, You know what else Traylon Burks will do and why you have to be on uh, full alert for this guy? He will also throw the football. He's thrown passes in each of the last two games for the Razorbacks. And he has six pass attempts in the last two seasons. So between that and also you consider that he has 10 carries for 115 yards in 2021. Again, always on alert when it comes to Burks and how he might be used in this up-tempo Arkansas offense this week. Defensively for the Razorbacks, no Jalen Catalan. That's been a big blow for Arkansas on that side of the ball. Of course, Catalan, the outstanding hybrid defensive back, he was lost for the season to a shoulder injury a month ago or so. Yeah, back in October. And you know Barry Odom, defensive coordinator for Arkansas, employs what's been referred to as a sort of baseless defense Multiple, certainly, in its approach. Uh, But there's little doubt that the Hogs are at their best when they can drop eight and play zone coverage. Arkansas, the sixth-ranked total defense in the SEC, allowed 308 yards in a win over LSU last week. They haven't given up more than 135 rushing yards their last four times out. But the Razorbacks did give up. 273 and 374 to Georgia and Ole Miss in back-to-back games. That was a team that looked like it was starting to run on fumes a little bit. October was a rough stretch for Arkansas from a schedule perspective, but they got to an FCS opponent at the end of the month, followed by a bye week, and looked to be rejuvenated, a great way to describe it, in the win over Mississippi State, and then to follow that up with a win last week on the road at LSU. What Arkansas is, is a team that will make you beat them. Like Alabama, the Razorbacks are in the black in turnover margin, standing at plus five coming into the week. That's good enough for third behind uh, Alabama and Georgia, I believe, in the Southeastern Conference. Hey, before we get out of here, 
We definitely want to talk some Alabama men's basketball. The Crimson Tide coming off a 2-0 week to open the 2021-2022 campaign. Big games their last time out for Javon Quinterly and Jaden Shackelford in that Alabama backcourt. That, of course, coming in a 104-88 win over South Dakota State last Friday night at Coleman Coliseum. Keon Ellis, you talk about guard play continues to be very good in every phase of the game, averaging over plus 30 in plus minus in his first two games of the season. Plus minus a stat that you've heard Nate Oates refer to on multiple occasions now. A lot of coaches big on that stat, as they should be, because it's a analytic, it's a, it's a, it's a statistic uh, that measures – the success of the team from a score perspective based on the time you're on the floor. And you know, to be plus 30, that, that pretty much tells you how good Keon Ellis is both offensively and defensively efficient in both those areas, to say the least. And it also includes rebounding. You know, he has 22 rebounds in his first two games of the season as well. All that goes into you know what we've seen from Keon Ellis and such a strong start for the junior college transfer. The big man, Charles Bediaco, goes for 12-6 and six against South Dakota State last time out. That was an improvement for him. Noah Gurley, the transfer, with some improved play as well. 9-5 and five for Gurley. And Darius Miles establishing himself as a top 7 or 8 sort of guy off the bench. Another efficient performance for Miles. Last Friday night, this time finishing with 13 points on just nine shots. He also had three offensive boards, so you like to see the contributions in addition to what he's able to do with an emphasis so far on just shooting the lights out from beyond the three-point arc. Now, looking ahead to tonight, you've got Jawan Gary in the words of Nate Oates as doubtful for the matchup with USA, so... Keeping Betty Ako and Gurley out of foul trouble might be important with USA forward Javon Franklin coming to town, averaging 15 and 10 and a half. And look, this is a Jaguar team that its last time out played Wichita State exceptionally tough on the road over the weekend, a six-point loss. And so Alabama should have the full attention of Al- – South Alabama should have the full attention of Alabama later this evening at Coleman Coliseum. And I know, look, Greg with three Gs, Greg Marshall no longer employed there at Wichita State, but still an impressive performance for USA in a tight road loss over the weekend. Rounding out the week, you're going to have a visit from Oakland, which played West Virginia tough last week before knocking off Oklahoma State on the road over the weekend. So nothing is a given, Nothing is a given, especially this time of the season. Just ask Missouri more about that. The Tigers were smoked last night by Kansas City in Columbia. So uh, things can happen, especially early in the season. Again, Alabama, South Alabama, 6.30 p.m. Central tip-off tonight, Tuesday night. Broadcast and or stream, however you go about that, available on SEC Network Plus. You're going to have Oakland in Tuscaloosa on Friday night. That's Arkansas Eve. That's a 7 p.m. Central tip-off from Coleman. That, too, will be an SEC Network 
plus affair. As always, we appreciate you joining us here on the Bama Online Podcast. If you haven't already, how about a subscription to the BOL Pod? Simple as a click or two. And if you'd leave us a rating and a review while you're there, that would help us out tremendously, and we would be indebted to you for many, 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 many days to come. Once again, Travis Ryer, thanking you for joining us right here on the Bama Online Podcast. Have a great Tuesday, everybody.